This is episode 50 of the Soul of Sensitivity podcast. I'm your host, Anna Holden, the resident intuitive healer and witch at SensitivityUncensored.com. Each new and full moon, I bring you the voices of sensitive, empathic, and creative pioneers starting conversations to lift up the voices of sensitive souls who have a piece of the solution to help all of us evolve out of the limiting patriarchal structures that bind us and start to create a new world that values us all. This is the Soul of Sensitivity. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. And thank you for being here for our final episode, our 50th episode of this podcast. It felt like a good number to end on. And as I mentioned last time with Sarah, there would be this final send off from me and then this podcast will be closing down. And there's reasons for the podcast closing down. Um, Mainly because it just feels like it's time for it to be finished. Um, The energy behind it has reduced. Um, It doesn't have the same momentum from my end uh, anymore. And so while I've absolutely loved hosting this podcast, it feels like it's time for an ending. It's a time for this one to be to be done. And so I want to respect that as well. Certain projects take on certain energies. And when this one started, it was just full of energy. Um, And now that energy is dwindling. And so it's time to, you know, to put it to bed, to put it to rest. And um, I may come back with another podcast at another point. We shall see. In fact, (laughs) there's a really good chance that I will, um, because I really love this platform and love connecting with you listeners this way. Thank you for all of you who supported this podcast those of you who made donations on Patreon, those of you who sent one-time donations, those of you who wrote reviews and shared it with your friends, it means the world to me that I was able to get uh, the word out about high sensitivity and, you know, intuition and, you know, the soul uh, in this format. It was a really lovely format. So thank you so much for all of you who, and just you who listened every, you know, every week or every other week. Um, over the course of two years, we've done this 50 episodes, um, and that feels really good. Thank you to all um, who contributed, um, who were uh, interviewed on the podcast and who shared their work on this format. I'm just so grateful for everyone who was able to show up here. And so today, I want to tell you a little bit about what's coming um, down the pike for me and what you can expect over here um, at Sensitivity Uncensored. So just because the podcast is going away does not mean that my work is stopping. (laughs) Um, In fact, I have a lot of blog posts lined up for you. Um, Before I did the podcast, the the main thing that I did was blog. That was my main um, source of free content creation. And when the podcast started, I really noticed a reduction in the amount that I was able to blog because all of my creativity was going into the podcast, which was really lovely. I really preferred that, actually. Um, and now it's fe- I'm feeling that shift to get back into writing. 
Um, and so not only do I have some podcasts, or sorry, excuse me, some blog posts lined up for the winter, um, I also have a book that's launching today, December, thir- December 11th, which is the day that I'm recording this. It's a rainy day at my house outside of Seattle, Washington, and I am sitting inside of what used to be my office but has recently, just this past weekend, been converted into a second bedroom because I am about two weeks away from having my second child. So I am sitting here very, very pregnant (laughs) with a uh, belly that is um, painlessly contracting um, about every five minutes (laughs) in preparation for labor and with a perfectly, as far as we know, perfectly healthy baby inside who is uh, kicking and moving around in there. And so part of the um, household transition that we made was to turn this office into a second bedroom to have more solutions for sleep, um, to create kind of a bit of a sleep sanctuary for uh, either myself or my husband um, during the night so that we can make it through this postpartum period hopefully a little bit less unscathed than before. Um, And the goal here is to, um, we have most, we have the plans for an an outbuilding, an office outbuilding for our property almost fully completed. And so the goal is to complete those plans and have them presented um, in the permitting process by the spring and hopefully have that office up by the summer. Um, I'll be working before the summer. I should be back from maternity leave about May or so. We'll kind of see how the leave goes. Um, And I'll be starting work before then, but I'm hoping to create not just an office for me to be in, but really a gathering space in which to hold sound baths, um, to hold small groups, and to facilitate one-on-one sessions um, out in this beautiful land that we have. We have this acre um, out in a, you know, fairly wooded area, still a neighborhood, but big, you know, big lots and trees. And it's really, um, really peaceful out here. So that's part of the plan moving forward. Um, and in preparation for this maternity leave that I'll be really starting, um, tomorrow, uh, in preparation for birth, I have just finished my very first book, And I'm really excited about this and I'm feeling really proud about it. I've written, you know, course manuals before that really are (laughs) books in and of themselves. And I've written, you know, I've kept a blog for how many years now? Gosh, a decade at least. Um, And journals upon journals. But this is the first time I've actually written and self-published a book. And I'm really excited about it. In fact, as we as I record this, my web designer is in the final process of filling those documents, putting those documents into the sales page so that you can access this ebook in whatever format speaks to your favorite e-reader. Um, I've been working with an editor and a designer to make a book that is um, well written, but also you know, edited well and designed well, something that is simple and beautiful. And today on the podcast, what I want to do is share a little bit about the book and then actually read to you the introduction. Because the introduction, I think, um, is one of the most powerful pieces that 
I've written. It really, um, it really is my manifesto about high sensitivity, human consciousness, the fate of the planet. Um, and I, I want to, on this podcast, leave you with that, leave you with, you know, where I'm at, what, where my thinking is at, where my work is at. Because I think what we'll start to find, what you'll start to find is that, you know, my work is continuously evolving and it will be evolving in 2020. I am um, embarking on a Nordic shamanism course with one of my teachers, um, Jeremy R.J. Uh, Jeremy R.J. White, who I did my rune course with, um, and exploring more um, uh, Nordic animism. Um, which I think really ties in very neatly and very well to the beliefs that I've had behind all of the work that I've been doing, um, which you'll understand as I um, read this introduction. The book that I wrote is called Embracing High Sensitivity, your HSP guidebook to eliminating overwhelm, handling difficult emotions, and becoming the boss of your life. I wrote this book for the, you know, 95% of clients who come to me. I was able to clearly identify, here's what people come to me for. Here's what people are struggling with, you know, and I have almost a decade now of um, this work. Well, I shouldn't say almost a decade, about seven years of doing this work. And so here's what the majority of people have come to me for, and it lays out Um, over 19 practices um, to help you with those things, um, to help you with those challenges about that that come with being highly sensitive. And I'm calling them challenges because they're not problems. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you for being highly sensitive. Um, But having the physical trait of high sensitivity does create some challenges, particularly in the way that our culture works today. And this is a point that I tried to make really clear in the book. So the book actually talks about a lot of self-care practices and building a self-care container. But I want to be clear that I don't think you should have to do self-care. Any culture that makes self-care out to be the answer in order to survive in it is failing its people. And I believe that we're living in a culture that's failing us. The way that we have individualized our culture, the, the, the forces of patriarchy and capitalism, and what they do to our souls, and what, what they do, um, the forces that they create um, are very harsh and challenging, particularly for highly sensitive people. And so while the book um, provides you with practices, um, it does that so that you can manage and thrive in a culture that is failing you so that you can start to change that culture. So I try to make that really clear in the book that I don't think self-care is the answer to everything, but it is a tool that we can use to start to change the way that we interact with these forces. And unfortunately, in order to change a culture, we have to live in it. <laughs> we have to find ways to be resilient within within it. 
Um, and so the goal of this book is to help you build resiliency and capacity as a highly sensitive person functioning in a rather collapsed world so that you can help be a change maker should you want to be. Um, you know, of course, if you're just trying to get your head above water, this book will help you with that as well. And so the book takes you through, um, you know, my where I'm coming from, the lens that I have for looking at high sensitivity and why my approach is a bit different. Um, then it kind of walks you through the high, the science behind high sensitivity and walks you through um, some of the challenges that you have, uh, the, those main challenges that I've identified, um, emotional overwhelm, um, you know, handling difficult emotions, just overwhelm in general, um, regulating the nervous system. And I talk about why personally we can have these issues and why culturally we have these issues. And so again, it sucks that right now things are set up in a way that makes it our personal responsibility to fix ourselves within a culture that is sick. Um, so I address that, but I also give you ways to work um, with yourself. Um, like I said, this book is going to be, or it is available in, a, in many different e-formats. So whatever your favorite e-reader is, you should be able to get a format that fits that e-reader for you. Um, and so, you know, uh, supporting me with this book, buying this book, really means you're actually supporting a small business person. So, um, you know, while you might see the price point, the price point be a little bit higher than Amazon, that's because every bit of work in this book, I've had to put my own, you know, money, sweat, tears into. Um, and when you purchase this book, you're literally helping my family keep the lights on. You're helping me do more of this work. You're helping me get some sort of income while I'm on maternity leave, <laughs> um, which would be um, a really, really big treat um, in helping me keep the doors open to this important work. So thank you for those of you who buy the book. It's a great gift to give uh, for the holiday time to your favorite introvert or highly sensitive person or, or empath, um, and it'll just be continuously available on my website. So without further ado, I'm going to, well, no, with one more further ado, <laughs> um, I'm going to read this introduction to you, um, and then I'm also going to leave you with a gift, um, and the gift will be one last recording on the series of this podcast. It won't have a number, but it's actually something that I, I created for myself, but I wanted to gift to you as just a thank you. Um, I pulled out all my singing bowls and I created a, a looped, it's about a one and a half hour sound bath um, using my uh, Crystal Alchemy singing bowls. There's no singing in it. Um, and in fact, I plan to use uh, this recording a bit during labor to help get in that theta brain state to help me um, manage contractions. Uh, but I also just think it's a really lovely way to relax. Of course, I love the power of sound. And so I wanted to gift all of you that recording. So just know that it will be it'll be released the same day here. It's just for all of you listeners. It'll be tacked on to the end of the podcast. So um, if you're needing some just just singing bowl music, um, it's yours. Now know that it's not a professional recording. You know, it was actually done in the same room. 
so the sound quality is not exactly where I would love it to be, um, but it is an offering for you, so you're welcome to that if you'd like it. All right, so here's the introduction from Embracing High Sensitivity, your HSP guidebook to eliminating overwhelm, handling difficult emotions, and becoming the boss of your life by Anna Holden Loika. You are powerful. You might not see it yet, but you are powerful beyond words. There is a place for you on this planet, in this life, in this world, as it currently is. No matter how much you feel like you don't fit in, there's a place for you here. Don't believe me? I didn't always believe it either. Before I understood how high sensitivity comes with its own set of gifts, I thought I was alone. No one else seems to feel as deeply as me. No one else seems to see the overarching patterns of information weaved together to connect the scene. No one else seems to get bombarded in big crowds and need a break. No one else seems to see and sense like I do. This theme of being different, of otherness, has been the atmosphere of my life for as long as I can remember. The way that I see the world, the way that I process information, the way I care so deeply, the way I pick up on subtleties that no one else seems to notice, all of these things set me apart. I felt bombarded with emotions, mine and other people's, and have found myself in an emotional soup, swimming with no surface in sight. I felt awkward and intimidated by people who can fight on the front lines of the issues I care about without getting overwhelmed. How do they do that? What I've come to realize in my decade of studying and working with highly sensitive people is that I'm not alone in these feelings, which means you are not either. This trait of high sensitivity and the characteristics that come with it link us together in the way we experience and navigate the world. And what I've come to know to be true, a truth so deep I can feel it in my bones, is that we were built this way for a reason, a very important reason, a reason I'll share with you as we move through these pages together. So don't worry, sensitive one, because there is a purpose in your sensitive gifts, including the very deliberate nature of your otherness. We, as highly sensitive people, as light workers, as intuitives and empaths, do not fit in. We were not built to fit in. We were created to stand out. We were created to be the lighthouse, not the boats. To be the wind of change, not the static land. To be the indicator species, not the umbrella species. Our place in nature and in our human society is as the advisor, the wise woman, the shaman, the change maker, and the safe house. There is a place for you on this earth, in your city, in your community. There is a place for you here if you are willing to embrace it. Hi, I'm Anna, and I'm highly sensitive. My story may be different from yours in details, but there's one thing I can tell you for sure. 
Our stories will be linked by our common trait of high sensitivity, in the ways in which we sense and process things more deeply, in the ways in which we experience the world. From the outside, I'm just another female-identified person. I was born and raised in a mid-sized town in northern Utah, and I was born into a family of outsiders. Not in a highly sensitive way, but in the black sheep way, and as it turns out, I would carry that burden forward. I grew to love nature, to care deeply about the environment, to seek a place in the spiritual world to call my own, and to live the first half of my life pleasing others in order to gain approval, affection, and validation. Then, as a true Scorpio, I burnt it all down. In typical black sheep fashion, I left all that I created when I was following the rules and opted instead for a life that fit me. I left people behind. I disappointed others, but I followed the path of my soul and what I now know was a highly sensitive body, and I never looked back. I work with high sensitivity now because for me it was the missing piece of the puzzle. It was the piece that put everything in order, turned my life on its head, showed me quite clearly why the life I had been building and the way I had been going about things was unsustainable for me. Learning about high sensitivity, embracing my trait, and moving forward in the ways that honored my unique system changed the course of my life. It's made it so much better. I feel powerful now. I am myself every day. I work, play, and love in sustainable rhythms that keep me from the burnout that inevitably crept in during my old lifestyle. I understand my emotions now, and I can work with them. I know the difference between my emotions and other people's, and I have discernment about what I'm actually responsible for. I'm not a people pleaser anymore, and I've learned to become okay with other people's disappointment. These are the things I'm going to teach you, too. I want you to be able to feel the sense of freedom that I feel. I want you to wake up every day knowing you have a choice about how to work with your system and knowing that with a few simple tweaks, your life can feel so much better than it does now. And yes, I'm qualified beyond my story. Besides being a highly sensitive person, I've studied and worked within the field of high sensitivity since 2012, and I've spent years teaching, coaching, and guiding highly sensitive people to lives full of freedom, awareness, and generosity. Before 2012, I was following the path I thought I should take, I think you know what I mean. It's the path that gets laid out for you, perhaps by well-meaning caregivers or culture, and you don't yet have the experience to know that there's a different way, even though you can feel that something isn't quite right. I've always loved the earth. In college, I studied natural resources and earned a Bachelor of Science degree in resource conservation from the University of Montana. My education was full of experiential learning trekking through the Montana wilderness, forests and plants, and learning about how ecosystems worked. Eager for more, and knowing that I should get my master's degree, I continued straight into the environmental studies graduate program, and in two more years' time had earned my master of science degree. I was lucky. I got a job straight out of graduate school, working in my field as a water quality specialist and volunteer coordinator for the Monterey Bay National Marine Sanctuary. From the outside, everything was perfect. 
great job and a new husband, but as the reality of this perfect life set in, I couldn't help but realize that something was missing. I was sitting inside writing reports that basically sung to the choir when I wanted to be connecting people to the earth and helping people help the planet. I got depressed. And while I accomplished many great things at my job, I led over 200 volunteers to collect citizen science data, wrote and delivered reports that changed city ordinances, and learned to surf, I wasn't happy, and something wasn't right. From scientist to psychic. I never actually meant to become a professional psychic. I mean, I had dreamed about it ever since I read my first book by Carolyn Miss, a popular medical intuitive, but I never thought it was possible or even something I could pursue. But here we are. As I said, things at my job weren't working. I mean, on the outside they were, but my internal life was chaotic. My husband at the time got a new job in Southern California and we moved. It was the end of 2008 and the economy had just crashed. I looked for new jobs in my field. I networked, I volunteered, put myself out there, all to no avail. No one was hiring, or at least they weren't hiring me. I took it as a kind of sign and made a last-minute decision to join a yoga teacher training program. I had been dabbling in intuitive development meditation courses through the course of the previous two years and found out I was really good at it. Psst, you are too because high sensitivity sets you up for awesome intuition. To fill my now rather open schedule, I signed up for a year-long course. My chemist of a husband thought I was nuts and wasn't shy about telling me. Over the course of the next three years, I'd finish a second yoga teacher training, become certified at the 500-hour level, specializing in injury management and prevention, I I would develop a debilitating back injury that took me on a deep journey of physical, emotional, and spiritual healing, and that, along with starting my study in high sensitivity, would lead to a new pathway in life. This new pathway included two years of study at the California College of Ayurveda with a certification as an Ayurvedic practitioner. I continued my study of yoga philosophy and movement, as well as my intuitive development, and put together my own practice as an alternative health practitioner. As I moved through this path of personal awakening, through the modes of new study I had chosen, I woke up to how my trait of high sensitivity helped me be amazing at these new modalities. I read everything I could about high sensitivity and hired a coach to help me understand myself in this new way. I started understanding how I was putting everyone else's needs before my own, and this included my husband's, as I started to put personal boundaries in place for the first time in my life. I watched how other people became disappointed. Some people shifted, choosing a new role in my life that worked for both of us. Other people, my husband included, found the new arrangement unbearable, so we divorced in 2012. I moved to Seattle in the last part of that year as a way to make a fresh start and started weaving together all of my knowledge, science, yoga, Ayurveda, energy medicine, and high sensitivity in a new and unique way that offers what most advice around high sensitivity doesn't, a complete root-based system for living life as you were meant to live it. In other words, my unique approach helps highly sensitive people come home to who they really are 
and offers them a roadmap on how to make the outer aspects of their world match the inner aspects to create long-lasting harmony and balance. High sensitivity is gaining traction in the world. It was in the mid-90s when psychologist and researcher Elaine Aaron first discovered the genetic trait of high sensitivity. More and more, people are waking up to her groundbreaking work. While Aaron's work is robust and continuously evolving, the advice that others give often falls short of actually changing the lives of highly sensitive individuals for the long term. In popular culture, you hear things like, HSPs are more prone to cry. Movies, music, and news affect HSPs more than other people. HSPs are more emotional. HSPs have a difficult time in crowds. In other words, the advice that's given with this very basic recognition of the characteristics of the trait are to avoid the news, avoid dramatic movies, know that you're emotional, and spend more time alone, which is so, so helpful. Don't worry, my solutions go far beyond the advice that us HSPs hide ourselves away in our rooms and cry it out. The world needs us, and I'm here with solutions that will help you be in the world without the crushing overwhelm. A new theory for understanding and working with high sensitivity. One of the things I love about Erin's work is how she theorizes that in hunter-gatherer times, HSPs took on the roles of advisor or counselor. This idea comes, at least partially, from the observation of high sensitivity in all mammal populations and how the highly sensitive individuals of, say, a zebra herd would be highly regarded as they were the first to know and alert the herd about danger. In communal cultures, where we actually relied on one another instead of insisting on individualism, more in capitalism and patriarchy later, highly sensitive people may have been protected and revered for their traits of empathy and sensitivity to stimuli. They would have made excellent spiritual advisors, counselors, and healers. And now, because of the cultural and societal systems we have in place, i.e. patriarchy and capitalism, we have devalued any roles that create interdependence or hint of femininity, including those of the healer, the shaman, the counselor, and the advisor. I want to add a bit more depth to Aaron's theory in my own and spell out the ways in which I believe high sen highly sensitive people are vital to the health and ultimate survival of the planet and to the evolution of human consciousness that must accompany it. The science of ecosystem dynamics. Yes, my theory includes a bit of science, so bear with me. Scientists are always looking for ways to better understand how an ecosystem functions particularly how to understand the early signs of dysfunction so that mitigation or restoration efforts to sensitive areas can be swift and effective. It's much easier to treat an illness at the very onset than it is to wait until your immune system is all but shot from fighting without any outside resources or reserves, right? The same is true for an ecosystem. We as humans might have symptoms of an illness that indicate to us that something is brewing inside us. For example, we might start to sneeze or cough, feel a tickle in the back of our throat, or feel that dull throb of a sinus headache coming on. If we learn to listen to these subtle signs, we can begin early antiviral treatments of antiviral herbs, take lots of fluids and vitamins, and rest, sometimes nipping that virus in the bud. 
Similarly, biologists have learned how to detect early signs and symptoms of ecosystem distress through the study of indicator species. An indicator species is an organism with an ecosystem that is particularly sensitive to disruption and can be used as a proxy to diagnose the health of an ecosystem. Using indicator species can help biologists see issues within an ecosystem early. They're able to help the ecosystem course correct as long as they understand how the indicator species works and what disruption is being indicated. In other words, indicator species act like an early warning system for ecosystem distress. Once scientists discover disease or distress within the indicator species of a given ecosystem, they snap to work figuring out exactly what's wrong and how they might make better management decisions to mitigate or fix the problem. Sensitivity is the ability to and level at which an organism can respond to its environment. High sensitivity, as we'll soon learn, is a trait that makes our nervous system respond to the most subtle stimuli, including disruptions in our environment, aka our ecosystems. Highly sensitive people are more sensitive to disruptions in the environment, our physical environment, our emotional environment, and our mental environment. Our bodies are more sensitive to chemicals, solvents, and other unnatural products. Our nervous systems are more sensitive to strong emotions, including and especially those that occur in conflict. We have a bigger response to negativity of any kind, of danger, thought patterns, drama on a personal or global scale. In other words, we are the indicator species of the human race. We don't have teams of biologists studying us, well, not like an ecosystem does, which means that very few people are taking our warnings or our information seriously. Our patriarchal culture sets certain standards of behavior of what's proper, right, and wrong, including how people are supposed to act, how much complaining over how the system works is appropriate, and what type of help is considered okay i.e. a doctor is okay, but maybe a therapist is not. In order for us to be helpful as indicator species, we actually have to work to change the culture we live in, because it's not healthy for anyone to live in a world where we oppress the most sensitive, especially given the important information we have for others. And the way we change our culture is to start with ourselves and work outward. Human consciousness needs sensitivity in order to evolve. Because it's my job, literally, to get woo, here we go. Now remember that I'm also a scientist, so we're not lifting off into the ultimate land of the woo-woo-woo. We're just hanging out a bit above the earth in the realm of the woo. Still with me? In order for us to change our culture, we have to change the way that we think, act, behave, and ultimately understand ourselves and how we relate to others. The work that this requires is the work of moving out of our own conditioning to become aware of the ties that have kept us in undesirable patterns and the ways we've perpetuated pain in ourselves and others. We must learn to decondition ourselves, to unlearn the harmful patterns we've acquired, and to see ourselves for who we are so that we can move forward with freedom. Some see this kind of work as psychological. Some see it as spiritual. I think it's both, and that it's more. It's also emotional, it's physical, and it's relational. It's deep work. 
When you do this kind of work, you change your level of consciousness, meaning literally that you become conscious of the patterns in your life that were unconscious before. You become more aware and you take this level of new awareness or consciousness forward, touching everyone you come into contact with. There's a theory that human consciousness or the general level of awareness or wokeness, as the kids say, that humans are at during any given time is in a state of evolution. Currently, we're in the dark ages, or so they say. In order to save the planet, in order to save our species, it's theorized that we have to raise human consciousness and that there are many factors, astrological, biological, and spiritual, working to help humans do this. Whether or not you buy into this theory, here's what I think is important to know. When you do the personal work of self-awareness and take that forward into your life, you are changing your consciousness. And the more you change your consciousness and affect others, the more that ripples outward. And this, I believe, is the way we actually raise human consciousness. And you, being highly sensitive, this means you're already plugged in. As we'll see, high sensitivity links us to the subtle world that abounds. You are wired to do this work, and by God, we need you doing this work. Not just for you, even though you on your own are important, but for the sake of this world. Get thee some resilience. We need you. By all the gods, we need you. And you need resiliency. Resiliency is the ability to bounce back quickly when things are rough. It's like elasticity. The more we have, the more quickly we spring back into place after being stretched thin. And you need more of it so you can live your life freely and fiercely, so you can function without burnout and overwhelm, so you can use your gifts on this planet. The goal of this book isn't to turn you into some perfect robot with no signs of high sensitivity. No. That's not possible, nor is it desirable. We need you in all of your sensitive glory. We just need you to have a greater capacity for resiliency, and you need that too. Why my approach works. The practices I bring forth in this book work. I've spent years teaching these tools to other highly sensitive people who, like you, were emotionally overwhelmed, stressed, and felt weighed down by the world. Each of them moved into a place of greater resiliency, capacity, clarity, and discernment. And you know what most people told me after I worked with them? That the effect my tools had on them was like coming home to themselves. My approach is different because I combine science and work in the nervous system with the subtle work of energy medicine. Trust me, even if you're not a woo-woo person, the subtle body stuff will make sense because this is where you naturally spend your time anyway. You just might not realize it yet. When we work from both of these directions, with a big dose of emotional intelligence work in the middle, we literally create change from the inside out and the outside in at the same time. You transform more easily because these tools were designed specifically for your trait of high sensitivity. One more thing. There's a chance you could see this book as coming from the perspective that high sensitivity is a problem that needs to be solved. 
I want to be clear that high sensitivity isn't a problem and learning how to manage your trait in a world where sensitivity is devalued shouldn't be your problem. No culture should be set up in a way that makes self-care a solution to any problem. If the system is not supporting its individuals, then the system is broken, not the people in it. I believe our system is broken, but I also believe that we can't fix anything if we're suffering. So in order to even get to the place where we have the energy to change the culture we live in, we unfortunately have to work on ourselves. We have to build capacity and resiliency. We need self-care now so that we can change the institutional structures that shove the work of self-care to the individual. Bottom line, you and your trait of high sensitivity aren't the problem. The world, the culture, the society we've set up is. I'm sorry things are like that right now, but I'm working on changing them. Are you ready to join me? Thanks for listening to this final episode of the Soul of Sensitivity podcast. Like I said before, you have one final gift waiting for you, and that's the looped sound meditation. There's no guidance on it. It's just something for you to listen to when you need to relax, get your brain into that theta brain state, and kind of just chill out. I'll miss speaking to you on this format. Feel free to email me, get in touch. Over the next few months, as I'll be deep in baby land, I may not respond right away, but I would love to hear from you. Until next time, bye-bye. Thanks again for listening to the show. All of the show notes, links, and references can be found at www.sensitivityuncensored.com. If you'd like to read more about high sensitivity or intuition, sign up for my mailing list, book an intuitive reading with me, or learn about my membership or school, please visit my website at www.sensitivityuncensored.com.